All right, everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is uh, Neo here, and we're going to be doing episode 41. And uh, like always, I'm always joined here with uh, Chris and Solbro. Guys, tell everyone, say hi. What up, gang? Yo. Yo. And in this episode, we're going to have, um, we're going to be going back to doing a Macross Roundup, uh, our third installment, which we're going to be covering uh, Macross 2, an OVA that was released in the early 90s. And that's actually kind of a controversial topic. When it comes to a lot of fans on Mecha, you know, one way or the other. So we have some of our insight and analysis, and there will be plenty of Soul Bro brashing in that one. But if you're a big fan of Soul Bro brashing, we're going to, in our second episode, we've got, we talk about a lot of the relationships in Gundam and um, Gundam and Mecha series in general. And you get to hear some of, um, you know, Soul Bro's weird comparisons. Like, you know, everybody remembers Gurren Logan being like the Jeffersons. Well, he's, he does some. <laughs> He does some he does some crazy thing crazy um, comparisons and some love relationships that I actually thought I thought we actually lost Chris at one point I thought he almost uh, committed seppuku there because he just uh, I, your ears were bleeding though from it though you, you did say that right did you stop it I, I think so <laughs> stop the bleeding so but um and well if you guys don't have anything else I'm going to jump into some news here and the first article I have here is from courtesy of Snoop 619, and this is um, very appropriate for us and, and just for this year in general. Um, the composer Kazahiko Kota, uh, he was a composer for Do You Remember Love, he was found dead. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess the uh, celebrity death curse isn't just here in the States. It's going universal now. Well, it's funny because um, this is like the second suicide when it comes to, well, thank that you I for, heard of. Uh, you know, Bros. thank you for telling everybody that i was oh. just about to say that well, I'm, I'm sorry. he was uh he was you found job <laughs> <laughs> he well, was found continue. hanged in his hotel room in the nagano prefecture um and he was 62 and you know of course based on that everybody's saying it's a suicide and part of it too is i guess he had some copies of his last will that he left in his room so uh in addition to um do your macross do you remember love he did a show called windaria and um, he was part of a lot of bands in like the 70s and 80s and, you know, kind of a big name out there in Japan. So R.I.P. Mr. Kotai. Anything else, Sobro? Anything? Um, this is this is like the second Macross suicide I've heard of where uh, the actor that played uh, Hikaru it- Ichijo also committed suicide. Oh, really? Yeah. I remember watching the behind the scenes on the um, 
the Super Dimension Fortress Macross DVDs, and they're interviewing um, Mari Ejima, and she's talking about the fact that um, she missed, she she really um, misses her friend because they became friends after you know during and after Macross was over, those two voice actors, and um, she had mentioned that the fact that he committed suicide, so. Hmm. Um, it's just a sad, a sad day for any Macross fan, and rest in peace. Our next article here, this is actually, this is actually from a poster TV, and uh, this is, um, we thought the Japanese were crazy before, they're actually even crazier now. And uh, you know those cup of noodle things, those yeah. Nissan things? Well, they now have the red curry noodle uh, with the Char Azabla glass cup set. <laughs> And actually, it's going to be released in October 26th of this year uh, in Japan. Um, and it's based on the success of their Cup of Noodle mini Gumpla packaging that they had. I think we talked about that a couple episodes ago where they had um, the RX-78 on there. It's actually a very nice, if you look on the link that TV had here, um, they show a picture of it. And it's actually very nice. The cup's really nice. Of course, it's all char red and it's got the red Zaku in the front. But um, the claim is this curry... Three times spicier. No way. That's what they're saying. <laughs> so, I, I, either that or three, three more times, three times getting the runs. <laughs> but um, got another article here, and and this is for actually I, I give this to Chris because he's such a great, he's a good fan of live action adaptations of anime. Oh man. <laughs> the uh, the live action space spaceship uh, space battleship Yamato. Filmcast has been listed. I guess they're doing it in Gen, uh, Japan. If you go on to the uh, Neos News listener submitted news articles there, there's a link there. and I'm not going to go through any of this because I don't really know any of these people. But um, this is a ghost, so they're going to be starting to um, film this shortly. And, um, you know, of course, it's based on the classic series with um, you know, the Yamato um, made into a spaceship to defeat I forget what that what those people are called, um, but to save the Earth and stuff. So, bet you're going to buy your ticket or that one, Chris, right? Oh yeah. And another article here from Vent Noir, and this is for all the Voltron fans out there. Oh. There is um, going to be a new animated series is reported intimate. So it says here. The rights holder, the American rights holder, World Events Productions, has closed the deal on an intimate adapta- animated cable series, and uh, there's no real, no real say of what it is going to be. But this, you know, uh, what direction they're going to have it. But I guess the, the, this World Events Productions, they've been trying to do this for a long time uh, to get a new show up there. And, well, and what's it, what's funny is like in the late '90s, early 2000s, they had a. Um they had, they they did do an animated Voltron, like a, a reanimated Voltron with American animation or whatever, and it wasn't all that good. Uh, it, it just well, isn't isn't the, isn't the last part of Lion Voltron American? Like the first two, they the commissioned they commissioned. Am I right on that, Chris? Do it, yeah. But that, I mean, it's animated by the Japanese. It's just written and and made especially for American audiences. But yeah, I, I don't know because what I say is screw Voltron. <laughs> Screw Voltron. Oh, man. Overrated, old garbage. Let it die. Grow up. It's not the 80s anymore. Well, you sound like a club. Oh, I think man. I know what you're talking about here. <laughs> what you're asking, Solbro. There's something called in from 98 to 2000. Yeah. Computer animated uh, American TV series called Voltron the Third Dimension. There you go. That That's exactly <laughs> it. You yeah. It right before Dragon Ball. I'm actually, uh, I'm pretty much with Chris on that. Just, just let it alone. It's... 
I, like I said before, I, I tried to. I was recently rewatching the original Lion of Ultron, and yeah, it was kind of fun when you're a kid. But ooh, talk about bad. And our last little article here is from uh, Vent Noir and Jabman zero two five. One of the SD Gundams, Senshi Sun Sangukun. Sangokuden. Uh, the models are getting an anime green light. Uh, doesn't say when that's uh, going to be coming out, but it'll probably be coming out very soon. And uh, of course, there was. There's some stuff like uh, SD or a Mobile Suit SD Gundam Festival film and various mangas that have uh, done very well in the past. And uh, I guess they're sh- going to be doing this announcement was made at a hobby show. So, but um, some more Gundam, even though they said no, no more Gundam. Well, that was just a no nine. No new TV show this year. Which yeah, you weren't kidding about so. And we'll and we'll probably cover that one instead of Unicorn because that doesn't exist in our oh, time oh, oh, oh. our timeline. Is that so? Are we going to do uh, <laughs> weekly reviews of uh, BB Senshi Sengoku then? Yeah, <laughs> weekly. Can't weekly, wait. Huh? <laughs> I can't wait. But um, that's the news. And uh, you know, of course, always if you have any good articles, just send them up on the news listener submitted news article site and. Um, Chris, any um, anything for MHQ before we get into our next, um, you know, our first topic here? Uh, no, although I think uh, we should uh, mention something about the podcast. That is right. Oh, yeah. I was going to do that. Thank you for the Solbro spoiling. And actually, Solbro would have been like, "Oh, by the way." See, but, I didn't actually say what it was. Yeah, that is true. I was about to. I guess many longtime listeners would know this, but in October, what was it October twelfth of this uh, this month? And yep. we don't know when this episode will come out. If it'll come out in October or November, so. <laughs> but uh, that's the actual two year anniversary of Gundam. It's amazing. We've lasted two years outside of file deletions, um, lost files. Um, what else? Computer mishaps. Yeah, well, all sorts of uh, what other all issues? All sorts of fun hijinks. Had? Live yeah. shows, um, <laughs> call-in shows, all sorts of hardships, <laughs> and fun too. It's been it's been an absolute blast doing it for this long. You know, um, two years, man. I I thought we'd have been doing this two months. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it seems like twenty years. Oh but man, no. Chris, anything on the two-year anniversary? Uh, the show sucks. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Chris's endorsement. Or is it just one Full big force. review to you? <laughs> it's all one big review, and I hate you all, and I hate myself. Oh, man. <laughs> I hate everyone who listens. I man, been hanging out with Austin a lot. That's positive. You? I just want to the- <laughs> Damn. No, actually, uh, I'm, I'm amazed that we've made it to this level, and I thank everyone who devotedly downloads the show, who comes and sees us at conventions, and you know who sends in comments and gives us ideas and posts news, because uh, obviously if we were just here to listen to ourselves talk, there'd be no point in doing the show. Not at yeah. all. And all the people that they've um, you know gone out and kind of recruited, because I know some of our listeners have been pretty, uh, pretty big on supporting us and uh, spreading the word, so... Along with Chris, I'd like to, you know, th- give my thanks there, too. And what lies ahead? Just more mecha stuff. If you like what you got, it's more of the same. If you don't like what we got, it's more of the same. <laughs> there's plenty of shows we haven't talked about, and there's, I'm sure there'll be plenty of new mecha shows on the horizon. So and I, you know, many new wimps that Solbro will have to attach himself to. Yes, mm-hmm. indeed. Solbro's, Solbro's roster is currently expanding. Soon I'll have enough for fantasy. Fantasy Solbro's men. Do you have a, a, a fantasy league? A fantasy league. <laughs> Sonny Crossroad, the quarterback. Oh, boy. <laughs> Captain and quarterback and manager and promoter. <laughs> and every player on the field. Every player. Yeah, Saji Crossroad presents a Saji Crossroad production. 
written by Saji Crossroad, directed <laughs> by Saji Crossroad, produced by Saji Crossroad. Amen. Edited by Saji Crossroad. Oh my god. Starring Saji Crossroad. As Saji Crossroad. Saji Crossroad. In <laughs> Saji Crossroad 2, Saji Harder. Our, um, <laughs> King Arthur's back. The King Returns. He does. Return of the... Oh, wait, no. What were you going to say? Oh, Return of the King? <laughs> I think someone got that already. Yeah, I think so. Well, I, I, I do know one thing. It won't be weekly reviews of anime. That'll never happen again. <laughs> oh, <laughs> There's one thing snap. we can guarantee. That won't happen. <laughs> We'll just do maybe, uh, what, season and uh, show spotlights or something, so. <laughs> but My God. All right. Well, if that's it, um, we will be getting on here. We'll be getting, setting off in our first segment. You're listening to Gundam at MHQ. Need a cake, but you don't want something boring from the local supermarket or bakery? In the South Florida area, try EpicSugarWorks.com. This bakery specializes in creating cakes based off of your favorite anime series, video game character, or whatever custom design you're looking for. Their online store also features anime and video game themed chocolate lollipops, as well as gift certificates if you want to give something to somebody. So if you're looking for a cake that's above the norm, go to EpicSugarWorks.com. It's epically delicious. Don't talk down to me like I'm a kid. I totally dig being on my own. Plus, I can eat all the pizza I want. Didn't I tell you for years to go easy on the pizza? And don't tell me that's all you're eating every day. God, you're pathetic, you know that? Please don't talk to me like you're my mom. You're not the maternal... That's enough. Look, you better explain this. I don't give a damn about your personal life. Start talking. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Hey everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. Uh, today it's time for the third installment of Macross Roundup, and today we're going to be looking at Super Dimension Fortress Macross 2 Lovers Again, 1992 OIV series, and uh, the first actual Macross OIV series. No, I'm not counting Flashback because that's a clip show music video, barely <laughs> OIV. So, uh, Macross 2 is a, uh, it's an OIV that's pretty controversial among Macross fans for reasons we'll be getting into, but uh, first, before we get into it, some, some background I think is necessary on this. Uh, back in the early 90s, Big West, the advertising agency that's one of the main sponsors of Macross, I think they were probably looking to make some cash, dusting off some old properties that had been left uh, abandoned since the early 80s, so they commissioned a couple of sequels to some stuff. So you had um, Macross 2, the six-episode OAV that's kind of a retread of the original series. And then you had uh, Orgus 2, a six-episode OAV, which uh, is not a retread of that original series. So two very different products, but kind of the same way, you know, a sort of uh, early 90s-ification of an old 80s mecha franchise. So Macross 2 is notable because... um, Originally, it was a sequel to Daryl, 
but it has since become an alternate universe, not by design, but rather by retcon, because the studio new official Macross timeline designates this an alternate universe. So, although some studio new staff members like Haruhiko Mikimoto did the character designs, and there was also one of the writers from the original Macross on board, studio new itself, including Shoji Kawamori, uh, did not participate in this, nor did Noboru Ishiguro, probably because he was busy with Legend of the Galactic Heroes. <laughs> so, basically, you have this series sort of retconned out of the main Macross continuity, set 80 years after the original series. Uh, you got some naughty aliens coming to Earth to smash it up. And, uh, of course, you have idol singers and giant robots. So, I will kick it to you guys. Uh, why don't you go first, Neo, since uh, this is your fresh experience watching Macross 2 and tell us what some of your thoughts are. Yeah, actually, um, this is one of the few times that I actually haven't seen something that's an old, older show, and um, for whatever reason, I just never got a chance to watch it. Um, as I was watching it, though, I kind of equate it to um, the that first Final Fantasy movie, where it's like, it's not a bad, it's not a bad show, but it's just not Macross to me. And I, I don't know what it is. It's just like, I can't really put my finger on it or, or what it is but it just because it, it's got everything in there you know you got the Valkyries you have the pop idol you know you have music will control or you know save uh, the the humans from you know being caught in an interstellar conflict but I don't know it's just I'm just sitting there watching it and it's like man this just doesn't seem like if this didn't have Macross 2 on it I think I would um I think I would be okay with it um, but uh, where would you get that comparison because Final Fantasy movie was a hippie tree hugger space sci-fi movie that had like not a single Final Fantasy element in that, it at all, aside from the name. Yeah, but this, this just gives me the same feeling though, for whatever reason. Um, I don't know. It's because I felt the same way with that. Because that movie, I don't hate that Final Fantasy movie like people do. I mean, it's just like it's well, I don't okay. hate it either. It's just not Final Fantasy. But it's 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 just the same. F- feeling that I get, and I, and I know, yeah, you can't do a straight-up comparison, because yes, the Valkyries are in there, yes, the SDF-1's in there, you and Spacey, you know, they all the references to Minmay and some of the other stuff in the past, but I don't know, I'm just sitting there watching it, and I'm like, if this was something else, I think I would enjoy it more. Um, none of the characters I really identified with, and I know part of some of it might be because I watched the, the horribly, horribly uh, done... <laughs> English tra- uh, English dub, and I mean, I'm usually pretty forgiving when it comes to dubs and stuff, but this was just like, oh man, we need to go fight the Zentradi. Why are they attacking us? Initi- you don't know anything about culture. You're not a real reporter. I want to be a real... But I want to be a real reporter. You have to show the truth on the battlefield. No. You have a problem with me drinking? Yes, I do, because that's all reporters do. Yeah, I mean, that that might be a, a part of it, but even still, it's just like, I don't know, I, I watched it, I, I mean, it wasn't like, I, it's it's not one of these movies, or it's not one of these OAVs where I'm like, oh god, I can't wait for this to end, it's just like, I watched the six episodes, and I was like, okay, this is, you know, gr- this is okay, it's just something I'm never really gonna, you know, I don't know if I'm gonna ever want to go back and watch it again, or if it was ever brought over here, I don't think I'm gonna be buying it anytime soon which i know it probably won't come you know better chances of um soul bros um petition for gundam x working and then macross 2 coming over so it's already been released here oh yeah that's right it has hasn't it 
How do you think you watched it? That's US right. Renditions, dude. That's LA right. Hero. Sorry. And and, and uh, Mangler Entertainment. Mangler Entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> well, if they re-release it, I won't buy it. Well, that ain't gonna happen. So you don't have to worry about not buying because it it's certainly not gonna ever be re-released. Yeah, I just. But I mean, you can sleep easy. One of, one of the things that also kind of bothered me too, and I don't know if you, and I use this usually doesn't bother me either. It's just that the beginning of the show. The animation seemed really bad. It got better towards the end, though. I don't understand that, why it would be so bad in the beginning, and then it got better in the end, but you only have six episodes. It's not like I'm watching a 50-episode show. Yeah. And I don't know. It's just, you know, even even as bad as original Macross was with some of its, uh, you know, the, the beginning was pretty solid, and then towards the end, you know, the animation was pretty solid. But this one, it was just like, I'm watching it. I'm like, man, what the hell? I don't so. know, because uh, according, according to the, uh, the Urban Legends, uh, the budget got cut towards the end because uh, the series apparently was selling very poorly in Japan and was only selling well in the U.S. because it was a near simultaneous release, which was a big deal back in, you know, wow. 1992 on wow. VHS tape. And you still don't even get near simultaneous releases these days. But... I would probably agree that the animation did seem to get better towards the end, so I don't yeah. know if there's truth to that. That's why I say it's just, you know. It, you know, and, and, and it's weird because I'm, I'm sitting there, and I, as I'm watching it, and it started happening like the end of episode three, and I'm like, wow, there's a lot more detail now. I'm getting to see more detail in the, in the uniforms and the space battles and stuff. And, and some of the space battles, you know, there were they're okay but there was just no real excitement to them you know it wasn't like oh my god you know no, nothing that was like edgy or seed it was just kind of a generic space battle <laughs> to me so but um i i won't continue rambling off we'll see what Solbro has to think about uh macross 2 macross 2 electric it feels like it <laughs> another um uh, another mention of a bad sequel um I guess I would equate earlier before we started review, before we started started recording. I I, I kind of equated Macross two to uh, another bad sequel, uh, Revenge Revenge of the Fallen. I think I'm a bit too harsh. Um, it's more like Speed two. <laughs> Dude, even <laughs> even that. It, well, what about give, uh, give give the poor OAV some credit? It ain't it ain't that bad. It's <laughs> it's, it's worth watching at least once. It's very forgettable though after it's done. I mean. The way uh, another another example is you have all the right ingredients like you had in Macross. It's just the way they were they were they were they were prepared together, and this one was just just not the same. And um, you have the main lead Hibiki Kanzaki, who is um, he he he's, he reminds me of um, those dudes from TMZ. He's like works for Space TMZ. <laughs> Is he Space Perez Hilton? Space, yeah, Space Perez Hilton. He wants to get the scoop. You know, he wants to expose the truth, no matter how embarrassing it is for everybody. And you know, um, you know, to even imply that 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 um, Sylvie was even having an affair with the um, the one um, <laughs> the her, her commander, commander yeah. officer. Yeah, you know, it's kind of ridiculous to begin with, but you know, he had a story and he was running with assumption as opposed to having the the real truth of the matter. And then Sylvie herself. You know, she came off as a total bitch in the dub, 
as um, Chris had brought up to us, when watching this dub, which we watched it, Neo and I watched it on Netflix, on the streamable, so you can't change the language, our mistake, of course, but um, watching yeah. it dubbed is almost a completely different experience than watching the actual, you know, subtitle version, where, you know, the characters come across a whole lot differently, especially certain ones, and Sylvie comes out far more as a bitch in the, um, in the dub than she does but in the But you know the, what, the, um, the, the thing, that I, the problem I have is that, like, I don't even really care about her. Like, there's yeah. not, I don't care about I even about to say that. any of them. It's yeah. just like I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I'm watching this stuff. Okay, they're getting attacked. Oh, bad things are happening. Minmay attack doesn't work. I, what, you I, know, I, I like Marduk Minmay at least. I mean, <laughs> Ishtar was um, Ishtar was okay. Ishtar but was 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 you know she's she's the um, the the eye candy. She's the um, the girl that you know you're supposed to like because she's like so so naive to everything, yeah, all innocent fish stuff. out of water and innocent, and you know she gets to experience uh, culture and you know she has that revelation of what she has to do in order to save both the inhabitants of Earth and 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 her people. And uh, I don't know, uh, it's it's so fast that you really don't get time to get attached to the characters but I mean with the setup that it was well I don't know about that it was six episodes so there's enough time to care about those characters it's not like it was a two hour it was not like a it was like a two hour movie or something I mean I've I've seen six episode OVAs like Video Grah and Jojo's Bizarre Adventure where you get really attached to the characters and you barely you know you have the same it's done in the same amount of time so you're right on that accord in this I just wasn't feeling that connection um then there's my man Dennis Lone, <laughs> <laughs> or as I like to old as, salt, as as I like to call him, drunk Frank West. <laughs> I've covered wars, you know. Do you think the Earth has the best culture? <laughs> Chris could quote him verbatim because <laughs> he's just so bad. How could you not forget that? <laughs> Such a memorable performance, and man, does he bite it at the right time? <laughs> Well, you know what? It's funny. He he bites it, and you're like, man. After watching, it's like, God, he should have he should have lasted the best, a lot longer. The best part is when oh, I guess we have a chance to get closer together because he's putting he's he's putting Ishtar in the passenger seat of the plane, and he's about to climb in, and then the ex- explosion knocks him back and kills him yeah. right at the right time. It's like, well, that's an awesome trade up. We get rid of drunk, get rid of some drunken war correspondent, <laughs> and you run up for some. Hot, nearly naked alien babe. Exactly, exactly. He got astonized. Astonized? He got astonized. You just created a term, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Nicely done. Oh, there, there's told. You get if you Golf get. Clap. <laughs> exactly. See, because this, you know, the the getting astonished is like the support and secondary characters getting, <laughs> and the, you know they're they're back at the base or on the ship getting told. That's when the secondary characters want to go fight. Yeah. So send out the second string to die. Yeah. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> when did squadron pilots get so cute? I mean, oh, you mean the uh, the the Valkyrie bunnies? The Valkyrie bunnies, man. That's like the fairy dude, squadron. The exactly. Except for um, except for Slurpee Spike's character, um, I forget his name, but uh, the the ace in the bunch. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, he he's not cute at all. It was good to see. It was good to see females holding it down. The um, Sylvie's um squadron. I wasn't too big on the Valkyrie design in this in in this OVA at all. Uh, not that it was terrible, but it was that kind of that '90s overcompensating. That um, <laughs> when they re- would redesign suits, like in a. 
what was that um, Gundam series where the design wasn't all that great uh, in Destiny? the 90s? No, but the, in, even in there the There were all of them. All of them. <laughs> you know, when um the uh, when when the, the, the design of the Gundams just started to get rehashed. In, oh, in from the, af- after F9-1. Yeah, after F9-1, it just, you know, wasn't... It, there was nothing groundbreaking about the design and, and this redesign of the Valkyries. They just looked a, a lot more bulkier, and I didn't always always look at the Valkyries. They had a lot very, of crap on them. They had a lot yeah, of packs. They did. One of the uh, common complaints is that the designs are very Gundam-looking. What do you guys think? You know what? Uh, I, I expect my Valkyries to be a bit more svelte, and you're right. Yeah. They're, they're a bit more bulkier-looking like the Gundams themselves, and it's just not it's not a good look for Valkyries at all. Well, also, it was the early 90s, and this was the uh, the starting point of, like, like hard edged lines on yeah. designs rather than like the smoother designs of you know some of the stuff in the eighties. Oh it's definitely I mean it's it's definitely you can tell it's a nineties. It's a um, relic of the early nineties yeah. especially. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with the characters, the way the characters look too. And interestingly, uh, the guy who um who designed uh the the Valkyries for this OAV, he um later went on to do the original designs for the uh first five Gundams from Seed, which were then redesigned by Okawara, and he also designed the Estrays. Oh, okay. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I guess they did. I, I don't know. They, 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 I could still see that they were still Valkyries to me, but I guess, like you said, with the whole harder, you know, straight-edge lines that they were doing, I, I could see where people would have a problem with that. It just didn't flow right, man. It just didn't flow. I just, I, I don't know. Um, I could harp about that all day. Um, and then um, Paul's favorite part, Bootlegman May. Wendy Ryder. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> oh, the the useless wannabe Minmay. She was such a non-event in that. Yeah. <laughs> in it, you expect her character to hold a bit more water than she did. You, you in get introduced this. to her, and it's like, wow, okay, she's gonna. What? You know, you're, you're worried about the the uh, the alien singer instead of the one that you have. But uh, what's up with no alarms or locks in the bridge of the SDF thank one? You. I, yeah, what the I, heck was that all about? I, I, I wrote here, it is easy to sneak into the SDF Macross. Even the Statue of Liberty has security. <laughs> well, the, the thing's just charging energy every couple hours. Dude, they took off in it. You yeah. know, back, back when you watched the original, you know, Super Dimension Fortress Macross, it had an engine room, and people worked in it. And they had to communicate with the bridge. And hey, 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 hey! <laughs> it's it's the same as in Star Trek Three uh-huh. when they like auto rigged the Enterprise, yeah. so they stole it, and there's just five guys running down the bridge. And that was a bad movie too. <laughs> <laughs> and they also blew up the Enterprise there, just because like they blew up the Macross here. Yeah, it, 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 nothing left but a head. How did the head of the SDF? Yeah, how did that happen? Float. <laughs> Where was this propulsion systems, man? It took it took it's got a, a it's got a code Geass float system. Apparently so. Well, not only that, but all the all the uh, superstructure and it's just all falling really, really, really slowly. Man. All the all the superstructure and stuff above the head gets blown away by the beam, and there's nothing wrong with the head. It survives. Yeah, it's just it's it's, it's all floating, all chill. You don't see any kind of. I thought um, they died at first. Then I was like, oh wow, okay. I, I, I thought they folded or something, you know. And then just to see the head, it's like what the. What the hell? <laughs> no propulsion systems, nothing. You know, just it's just up there floating. Uh, I guess um, I'm, I'm retarded for even trying to question it. But <laughs> I, I guess my last question is: um, in two incidents in the OVA, Sylvie had the chance to um, to arrest Ishtar for having some kind of connection to yeah. the alien forces, and did not do it. Didn't do it, and uh, that's like the biggest plot hole to me. I was like, seriously, you know this girl is what they're after, and you don't apprehend her? 
what the no <laughs> no you take her back to headquarters dude what what are you doing sylvie it just it was just certain factors that just annoyed me at the same time i mean it, it's it's a fun watch if you just let go of all the logistics but my impression of it is this it, it just comes off as as a half-ass sequel to something that was so grand and um and I, i'm looking at it in comparison to do you remember love which is what it's in, it's in, it was originally an intended sequel of. So, you know, when I compare the two, Do You Remember Love is such a much better product overall, and that had even less time to get its point across than Macross 2 did. So um, it's just a... a what compared to Robotech? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much how I feel about it. But, Chris, what were your impressions? Well, for me, I, I guess you could say I have a long history with uh, Macross 2 because it was the... It was the first Macross that I watched knowing it was Macross. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. You know, because unlike many other people, I was a late bloomer with Robotech and didn't discover it until 1998 when it was on Toonami. Right on. And, of course, the portion I liked the best was Macross. And thanks to this new thing called the Internets, you know, I discovered, you know, the horrible truth about Robotech. (laughs) That this franchise called Macross existed. So, you know, back in those days, you know, the most you could find of the actual Macross was on VHS, either 2 or Plus. So, being a poor high school student, I just sought out 2 because, you know, it was a $20 dub tape and easier on my wallet. So, that was my first actual Macross. So, um, you know, even then, you could see, just with Robotech as your exposure, this is basically the same story. So, you know, it's not anything amazing in that regard. And... I guess it's not surprising that it's it's a bit of a rehash because it's you know kind of like a tenth anniversary series and they're just trying to cash in on an old story for a new generation something that you know Gundam has certainly done plenty of times. Oh yeah. You know, you know take out take out the old formula and dust it off for the new uh, new generation of uh, elementary school students. So in that respect, it doesn't bother me too much. A more original story would have been better for me. It's just it's just a it's an enjoyable watch from time to time of, you know, old, early 90s mecha. It's certainly not anything amazing. It doesn't compare to later Macross sequels, but it's just something I enjoy watching from time to time. You know, sort of popcorn entertainment kind of thing. True. However, there are some things that uh, this OAV does that um, had not been done yet at this point in Macross and have since been done. One of the things you see that's quite prevalent is that music is used against UN Spacey. Right to motivate the fighting force, which is an idea that was used uh, most recently in Frontier. Mm-hmm. Ah. When they had uh, you know, Ranka singing Do You Remember Love to motivate the Vajra to go fight against uh, you know, the Frontier fleet. That's right. That's something that you had, has never been done in Macross of music being used sort of as a negative motivator. Right. The fact that you had the Marduk, this other alien race, controlling the Zentradi and using them as their fighting force. Uh, doesn't that Solbro kind of remind you of the Robotech Masters? It does yeah, it remind does. me of Robotech Masters. I kind of got the Robotech Masters vibe while watching this, too, because that it, it seemed like a little bit of the story that they created for Robotech Masters leaked into this. And and, and that was back when um, that was back when they had kind of a, a connection with Harmony Gold, that animation studio, and, and it makes me wonder if there was any, any bit of contamination. <laughs> Who knows? I mean, yeah. you know, but it was something that Macross hadn't done before. Uh, also, you had 
two idol singers in this OAV. You had mm-hmm. Wendy Ryder and Ishtar, and that's something that Macross never did itself in the main universe until Frontier, Frontier. with yep. Anka and Cheryl. Yeah. Let's see what else kind of sticks out. Something that Macross itself hasn't necessarily done yet, but I think was sort of an interesting little bit of uh, development in this series is you uh, and Spacey kind of is like this uh, oppressive sort of government. Yeah, yeah. You did get you, you did get that sense. You don't really get the impression that in this in this alternate future, because again, this is eighty years after the original series. You don't really get the impression that there's a civilian government here. It yeah. pretty much looks like you and Spacey calls all the shots, and whatever they don't like, they take away. You know, locking up Hibiki, uh, censoring all of his footage that showed them getting their butts whooped by the Marduk in the first episode. Mm-hmm. And control over the media in general. You yeah, also. massive control over the media, which is something that we've not seen in the mainstream Macross universe. We've never had, you know, oppressive government kind of lording over the people. And they, they seemed kind of inept, too. And, and even the... Even the pilots, you know, the the lower end officers and stuff, they seem just kind of, they seem kind of disenchanted with the whole UN Spacey thing too. It's just like, yeah. yeah, probably it's one of these things of like, you know, you know, they they, they talk about how they've had waves of attacks over the years, but they've always repelled them with the the min attack. yeah. attack. So you know, they've grown lazy with complacency, and it's probably just one of these things that you see plenty of times in in reality. They're like an organization is created to do something, and then. Um, it kind of it, that reason for being ceases to exist. Yeah. Yet it's so bloated and entrenched that it won't go away. So you have this big old military that was created, you know, to fight the Zentradi, and that threat has diminished over the years. But the big old giant military has remained and just keeps growing and growing like a monster. Yeah, that's that's true. Because when when in the in the first part of the, you know the first part of the show where the Minmay attack doesn't work. These guys are like, they don't know what to do. I mean, it's yeah, like... they're just totally inept because yeah. they just never conceived that, you know, what always, always worked, worked, always yeah. worked, and how could it not work now, and what do we what do? We do? And, and none of those guys really had any of the, you know, the, the old UN Spacey people from the first, you know, the first couple of wars, they're gone. They're dead now. So it's like, you know, there, there's nothing there to fall back on. And, and like you said, these guys are always used to being able to use the Minmay attack, but... Yeah, I got that too. They seemed a little bit more oppressive, which is really strange for Macross to me. Yeah, and uh, just as a sort of a sign of how inept these guys are, you know, the original the original Macross, I mean, the ship itself held off an attack of like what, like four millions in Trotty ships, and yeah, oh, the Earth got destroyed. But here, um, you got the Earth nearly getting destroyed again by what, like one or two thousand ships? Yeah, yeah, and and and, 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 and mind you, you and Spacey was a lot bigger in Macross 2 than it oh. was in, in the original series. And they got, remember how they had all these, uh, the Macross cannon? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Giant SDF-1s with uh, fours and trotty ships attached to them? Yeah. yeah, numerous fortresses, and they still couldn't hold these guys off. Yeah, it's like, man, what, what kind of future are these, like, I mean, is it just, are they just that complacent? Obviously the answer is yes. Yeah, apparently so. <laughs> So, you know, in its defense, Macross 2 does have some, some new ideas that it offers, even though it uses just a lot of cliches from the original series. If you look at it, um, Sylvie is kind of like an amalgamation of Max and Misa. Yeah. Because yeah. she's the ace pilot slash older military woman love interest with a cold personality. Yep. Wendy Ryder's kind of like an inept Minmay. <laughs> they moved the bridge bunnies to Valkyries to create the Valkyrie bunnies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
And, uh, you know, it's a lot of the sort of same stuff. Another thing that did catch my interest, though, is this stuff that, you know, we're listing of uh, things that this show did do differently is the fact that the main character is not a military uh, pilot. Yeah, very true. Which, of course, was later done again with Macross 7. Yeah. Because, you know, Hibiki, he knows how to fly a Valkyrie, but he's just, uh, he's just a sleaze reporter. Well, <laughs> and, even, and even to maybe a lesser extent, Alto because he wasn't part of the military. He was just at the at the aeronautical school, too. Yeah, but he signed up with a PMC, which is right. kind of the same yeah. thing. You know, whereas, you know... I said at a lesser Bas- extent. I mean... Yeah. yeah. Basara was never oh, no. in anything. Even when he's, you know, in sound force, he's like, whatever. You guys yeah. do what you know, so he's... You know, those are the only two times in Macross we've had where, you know, the main characters have, like, no military background whatsoever. But it is interesting, though, that you could get a license to operate a Valkyrie and not be part of the military. I thought well, that, you know, yeah. it's like, you know, the progression of technology. I mean, of course. Uh, you know, 100 years ago, let's say 80 years ago, you know, who had, uh, who had airplanes, but now anyone can fly airplanes on their own. 100 years right. ago, only the very rich had cars, and now they're completely commonplace, so... Yeah, just like how in Gundam, um, you know, you can have non-combat versions of mobile suits to fly around, yeah. like the uh, Hobby Hijack and Char's counterattack. So, you know, Valkyries have been around for eighty years, so it wouldn't surprise me that there's civilian Valkyries that you can fly around on your own. And we've seen that in the mainstream Macross universe. There's yeah. plenty of civilian Valkyries, like in uh, well, Dynamite Seven's full of them. Yeah, yeah. that, and uh, even in Regular Seven, when they got all yeah, Regular Seven, they had lots the old... of civilian Valkyries. Yeah. So it's not surprising that even further in the future, you know, you'd probably have people flying recreational Valkyries. And even that Valkyrie wasn't really one in the true sort of sense because it just uh, turned into Gearwalk mode and not a Batroid. Yeah, that's true. But, and it was just armed with cameras. <laughs> <laughs> Although, um, as promised, um, it's time for the Straight Talk Express to make an appearance here. Oh, nice. no. Oh no! Got it from the teabaggers, right? <laughs> yeah, we got it back from the teabaggers and the uh, the birthers. They didn't mess it up too much, did they? They left teabags everywhere. Oh man, green or black, or a mixture of both? Uh, both. <laughs> so here's here's what I have to say with regards to the Straight Talk Express. I had mentioned that uh, this series is rather controversial, and the reason for that is um, a lot of uh, Macross fanboys like to dump on this series just because it was not made by Studio New or by Shoji Kawamori and sort of take the fact that uh, he dismisses an alternate universe or categorizes an alternate universe as a reason to just dismiss the show entirely, like, oh, if it's an alternate universe, it must be a piece of crap. Yeah. And I think that's pretty unfair because, again, it's not, it ain't, it ain't you know, the best things in sliced bread. It's not, you know, Shakespeare, but... You know, it's also not as horrible as some people make it out to be, and there's a lot no. of Macross fanboys that, you know, it's like, if it wasn't made by, you know, the holy Shoji Kawamori, it's garbage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think that, in general, for any franchise, that's just, you know, a really bad way to look at it. That's true. I'll be honest with you, I, I knew, I've, you know, I've read the con- controversy with this before I saw it. And, I mean, even though I'm not, like, a huge lover of it, it's okay. Like I said, it just, for whatever reason, it just doesn't seem like Macross to me, but that's probably just my, maybe my perception. But it's got nothing to do with, um, you know, the director or, or who created it or what. It's just, it's just, a, it's just a different take. And I, I actually think I need to probably sit down and watch it in Japanese yeah. to, uh, to see. But yeah. What I would say is, you know, judge the show on its own merits, not yeah. on 
not by who didn't work on it, because, yeah. you know, there have been plenty of, say, good Mario games that were not made by Miyamoto. Right. Would you say that any Mario game not made by Miyamoto is garbage? No. No, and hell, in, in the Gundam franchise, there's plenty of Gundam series not made by Tomino. Well, so. there's people who have that view that anything not made by Tomino is garbage, so yeah. Yeah. And there's, have, there's extremists in any franchise. Yeah. That's absolute foolishness. But, you know, that, that of course is my opinion. But you and know, There's people who say that any Star Trek show not made, made by, by Roddenberry is not a really a Star Trek show. So, so apparently um, those people just have given up on any new, you know, good Star Trek from ever coming out, which is dumb because, you know, Gene Roddenberry is never coming back so i mean you sure about that (laughs) i i'm i'm as sure as i can be (laughs) he he did take that 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 great that great trip to the uh to the stars so oh yeah mind you as a pile of ashes inside a rocket but he he made it on his wagon train to the stars he did he did but anyway you know that i i just have a major problem with that and i see that on a lot of you know websites over the years people just crap on macross 2 not because of its own faults but simply because of the fact that kawamori didn't work on it yeah no and you know kawamori i'm sorry to say to these people is not also the greatest thing since sliced bread just because he worked on something doesn't mean it's great yeah look at macross zero arjuna <laughs> or aquarian which you know is a very kind of meh show that i forced myself to watch yeah and I've made it halfway through the show and just could not continue because I said to myself, why am I putting myself through watching this show when I can't even, like, like I can't even enjoy it? Yeah, it felt yeah. like chore. So just because he's worked on something doesn't in and of itself mean that it's going to, you're guaranteed something amazing. Yeah, no. That's... And let's not forget that, you know, the original Macross series was not directed by Kawamori. It was directed by Noboru Ishiguro. That's right. And Kawamori kind of, like, rose to take his place because Ishiguro was not involved with any Macross after Daryl. Yeah. Mm. You know, back in, you know, back in, you know, the early days, you know, yeah, Kawamori, he was a writer and a mecha designer, but he didn't do, he didn't do everything, so, you know, you can't give him credit for, like, everything good about Macross. Certainly, he was an integral part of the team, but, you know, some people make it sound like he's the only thing that ever made Macross good, and that's certainly not true. There's yeah. certainly lots of other people that worked on it, like Mikimoto and Ishiguro, that contributed to making Macross what it was. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you there. I mean, like I said, I, I, I had heard the controversy beforehand, and, you know, it wasn't... I don't think that's any... I didn't use it or any way with my impressions of the show. It's just, you know, I was just sitting there watching, and it's like, you know, this is okay, but it just didn't feel feel like feel like a macross show to me but you know like i said i probably need to see it in the uh the japanese instead of english because that english dub is just i mean i'm not a big person when it comes to big nazi when it comes to dubs but this one is just like i mean it's horrible it's like some of these people sound like they were half asleep yeah um some one guy somebody somebody sound like they were on the can you know it's just like <laughs> That might not have been so far from the truth. I mean, uh, one of the, one of those yeah, one of the higher ups in UN Spacey. It sounded like he was like taking a dump. You know, it's like oh god. But <laughs> and the the really bad dubbing for the uh, the gay hairstylist, like just oh. so generically stereotypically bad. Oh, I know. I mean, I know this was 1992, but still. <laughs> yeah. N- oh, I like males and females. Just the generic effeminate and, gay guy, and and Sylvie, 
her voice, when she was supposed to be mad, she sounded nice. But when she was supposed to be nice, she sounded mad. So it's like they couldn't they couldn't project the right you know emotion through the voice. I was like, that's what? why in the dub she comes across as a lot worse of a character than she does in in the original Japanese version. So I, yeah. it certainly colored my perception watching her dub first, and then it's like, oh, she's not quite so bad in the Japanese version. I just kind of felt her kind of meh, but I don't know. Well, I believe that wraps up everything we have to say about uh, Macross Two. So that ends this installment of Macross Roundup. And next time we'll be talking about Macross Plus. So in the meantime, you're listening to Gundam at MHQ. We'll be back. Gundam these glasses, son. Yes, sir. I Gundam thee. This episode of Gundam is brought to you by GoDaddy.com. Right now they're offering special discounts to our listeners. Just simply go to GoDaddy.com and use the code GUN5 for 10% off your order or GUN6 for $5 off any order that's over $30. Or if you ever wanted to buy a domain name, you can get one for the low price of $7.49 if you use the code GUN7. For more information, you can go to Gundam.net and click on the GoDaddy link in the sponsors and special offers section. Don't wait too long. The domain name you've always wanted might be claimed by someone else before you know it. Register with GoDaddy.com today. I know you. And I know when you got something brewing. I know it. What I got brewing? You what I got brewing, right? You tell me. You done lost your goddamn mind. This segment of Gundam at MAHQ is brought to you by Petco. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. And we got some love Gundam style this segment as we talk about our, um, we talk about relationships in mecha anime. And we're basically going to run down some of the ones that we just didn't get are, you know, some of the, some of the worst, some of the worst examples are not so great examples. And then, um, also, we'll get into some of our favorite relationships and, you know, how they um, trump some of the others that we see in a mecha anime. And, and some uh, of Sobro's weird ideas. And some yeah. of Sobro's weird shipping. That's right. We're shipping today on Gundam for once. But um, I will uh, turn it over to you, Chris. I'll let you get first stab at this. What was one of the, uh, the, one of, one of the relationships that you just didn't care for or you just thought was half-assed? Unfortunately, mecha anime, I think, has a long tradition of really poorly developed relationships out there just for the sake of being there and, you know, are just junk. And uh, Gundam is certainly no stranger to this, having had loads and loads mm. and loads of... <laughs> well, I'll start off with one in particular that uh, just is just so badly done. And that refers to Mr. Carrot himself. <laughs> Co- 
<laughs> and the, the, the uber wench, I'll like refer to you as another term, Nina Purpleton, because it's just such a horribly developed relationship. Number one, he's appallingly inept. Makes you wonder, like, he's, what, like 19 years old? And you'd think that he'd never, ever talked to a woman at all in his life. <laughs> yeah, I know. Not because he just, you know, is so bad that he needs books on, like, guides to space noid women and, I don't know, space Kama Sutra or whatever it was he was looking <laughs> While this boy Chuck, the resident nerd, knew everything there was to know about women. Yeah, <laughs> and it's hooking up with Amazon. But, yeah. uh, you know, Nina, for you know, for her share, you know, she's just, like, completely off her rocker. You know, one minute she's all nice and all over him, and the next she's, like, yelling at him and breathing fire. Yeah. And as if their relationship just wasn't messed up enough, at the last minute they throw in this wrench of, oh, by the way, she used to bang Gato. It's really conflicted about the two of them fighting, even though there was no indication of this at all in the first half of the show. Yeah, that was one of my big problems with uh, the romance and that. Like, I could understand if they just had Ko and Nina just go throughout the whole show, but when they pulled that thing and they're like, oh yeah, by the way, I used to date Gato, and he's the reason why I helped make some of these suits. It's just like, what? It's like a, it's a triangle that just should have never... They are trying to force some type of triangle that just wasn't there last minute too because yeah she she clearly saw gato when he jacked the gundam and you figured yeah. she would have known yeah. who he was and you know would have would have said and all this time then. they spent talking about gato 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 mm-hmm. for that first half of the show that never came up and then suddenly like after they've been on the moon that's when it comes up yeah exactly so that's just very poorly done and but even gato aside their relationship is just horrible anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it is a bad relationship. And then throwing in Gato just made it worse. Mm-hmm. I think they were trying to save it or something. I think, I don't know. I, I don't know what was going through those people's heads when they made Stardust Memories. There's a lot of faults in Stardust Memory, and that's just one of the more glaring ones. But uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and if you guys want to keep the ball rolling with another bad, bad romance, Gundam go, or otherwise. Go for it, Neo. Oh, bad, bad relationship? Mm-hmm. I'd probably have to say, I'm trying to think off off the top of my head real quick. So, so bro, why don't you grab one? How nice of you, sir. I'm trying to I'm trying to find something. I'm trying to think of one that is on the same par as Ko and Nina. And you kind of you struck me out of left field on that one. I I didn't know you were going to go so. I came I, I came out of the gate strong. Yeah, I didn't realize you were going to be like that. I was like, damn, that is uh, that is pretty rough. So he hit the listeners with the Sunday punch. That's what he did. I if I have to go with one, I'd go with Lacus and Kiru. Uh, from Mobile Suit, Gundam Seed, and and Destiny. As Destiny the, more so. More yeah. So. Uh, Seed, you can see the the beginning of something, but nothing is done with it by the time Destiny rolls around. The they, beginning of a one sided thing. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> even in Seed, Kira doesn't really show any interest in her at all. That's what I'm yeah, saying. She really doesn't. She's more happy to see him than he is of her. Yeah. Exactly. He's practically an ice man, dude. He just he doesn't he, he doesn't exhibit much romance when it comes to you know their relationship. You figure for being together that long and spending that much time together there'd be more of a spark between them there is none there's more of a spark between Atherin and um, Kira's sister but uh, Kigali than there is between um, between those two I mean you even see um, Kigali and Atherin you know you know together intimately hell there was even more of a spark between Kira and Kigali before they uh, <laughs> made that potential incest or twincest oh my god but uh, Kira, he's yeah, he's a total ice man. And honestly, throughout Cedar Destiny, maybe I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure I'm not. Is there any scene ever in either of those two shows where you see them kiss on the lips? Not at all. Not once. And I was they looking hug. for that, too. They hug a couple of times in Seed. Yeah, they don't kiss. Yeah, Athens kissing on all these chicks. 
and you don't see you don't see Kiba do anything once, and he just was just a, a a poor example of that. I mean, I we've mentioned this before, but his relationship with Flay. You know, it was on fire. You Maybe know. he's uh, not quite the ultimate coordinator in every single respect. Oh, dang. <laughs> I guess it's harder to please a coordinator. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe he's uh, he's got some genetic defects that can't be fixed. Ouch, ouch. And require prescription from your doctor. Guess this has it easy to take Cialis. <laughs> Space Cialis. Space Cialis. <laughs> For for zero G, consult the doctor. Keeper. That that just put a weird picture in my head Man. when you said for zero G, like You're yeah, welcome. which way is up? <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no upside down in outer space. Apparently not. Okay. <laughs> now that I've totally ruined the conversation, I um, finally we get to Neo. Yeah, I, I would say uh, probably in. Along the lines of the two that you guys talked about was, and this would probably be the original. This is probably the precursor for Kira and Locke is, is was Hero and Relina. I never understood because talking talk about one sided. <laughs> yeah, she, I don't know if they even qualifies as a relationship. But she tried to chase him all over yeah. the place. And she was stalking him hard. You can kill me, Hero. Come and kill me. A fatalistic relationship. Like it's fatal- weird. <laughs> And you know what? She, I think she. I think she has that Min May fatalistic streak in her. Oh yeah, and to be honest, all, all of them, all of the Wing Boys except for Duo, had those weird, you know, the weird relationships with each other. It, uh, was it Hildy? That was her name, right? Yeah, Hildy. Hildy and Duo. That, They're the only ones that I could understand them being together. They were the cool couple, man. Yeah, they were super cool as hell, man. I completely forgot about I, but, that. But but Catcher wanted to. He wanted to date Troa. So I mean, or his sister. <laughs> Because you remember they played piano and violin together. That was talk about homoerotic. Hey man, the, that 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 hey, ship. We haven't got we haven't gotten to Legend of the Galactic Heroes yet. Oh. So. <laughs> that ship Yikes. is territory, boy. But um, Yowie. let's keep the homoeroticism to a minimum. But but <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it, I don't know. It just when you watch when you watch Wing, it's like they when you first saw it, it's like you're thinking, okay, they're going to get together. They're trying to make it where they'll get together. Nope. Just not going to happen, and and it's it's not the fact of if it's underdeveloped or what. It's just like for just trying to go around with the guys of like there was some type of caring for each other. It just was it was aggravating more than anything. It's like you know let me let me see. Um, I think I think Hero was more interested in Zex <laughs> than his sister. But uh, any other bad bad relationships on here? I would say. Um this this one's a twofer because it's it's more of an instance mm-hmm. that's summarized by these two examples. Brief one-time encounters that equate to love at first sight. Oh God, I know one you're gonna say. Totally unjustified love at first sight. So I'll start with the the one you probably think I'm not gonna say. Okay. Which would be uh, Shiro and Aina from Eighth MS Team. Yeah, I knew you were gonna say that. You know they they met. All of one time in episode one, they had that brief encounter. They worked together to survive, and that was that. And, you know, Shiro ended up with her watch. And then, you know, they meet again after fighting. You know, they hang, they hang out in the hot springs. And it's like, hey, I love you. Let's be pacifists together. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like a total, like, change around from the way things were before, which may be the result of, you know, the changeover in director. But still, it's like, it just totally went from his character changing from you know hey let's fight smart to hey let's i'm going to be a i want to be a pacifist and you know chill with the zeons because we all should love each other like me and Ina do surf through poor norris for one you know he that came out of nowhere for him yeah so 
you know, it's a change in Shiro's character and also this random romance, which I think could have been developed better than it was. You know, it's like one or yeah. two chance encounters suddenly becomes, you know, undying love. Second example of this would be uh, Shin and Stella in Destiny. Oh, yes. gosh, yeah. Like, hey, I just encountered some crazy hot girl who's drowning and we end up stuck together. And then after that, I find out that, you know, she's this pilot that I've been fighting all along, but now I'm madly in love with her. I'm going to go crazy after, you know, Jesus Yamato kills her, even while she was destroying like all of Berlin and killing tons of people, including Zach pilots. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But I love her. <laughs> like, where did even, even, Along even with the similar footnote. Hmm. Go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say, even with Shiro and Aina, you can make the case of maybe off-screen during the Hot Springs adventure, they were maybe talking to each other, as opposed to um, Stella and and Shin, because all she would sit there and say is like Stella. Stella, cr- Stella, sorry. Stella, need this. You know, she's like the Hulk. Yeah. She, ta- she talked in, like, third person. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't matter how hot some girl is. If I meet yeah. some random, like, like, insane girl, I'm not going to have any interest in that. Yeah. And then as sort of the postscript to that, it's like, afterwards, it's like, Shin and Luna Maria, like, uh, hey, um, I think I killed your sister and this guy you had a crush on. Uh, you want to hook up? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I don't. That that was that was bizarre. All all of those relationships were bizarre. And the post postscript to that of hey, you know, Atherin and Kagali, the the only good relationship that was developed in Seed, suddenly they you know fall to pieces in Destiny for no reason whatsoever. Yeah, and it's just obliterated. And he hooks up with uh, you know Marin. Marin. I, I still to this day don't understand this. I don't understand what was going on there. I that, don't have a problem with him being with her, but yeah, I don't understand why it got to that point. It was like there was nothing, nothing shown that made it, you know, to that point. That was showing. I mean, it would have been more of a testament if after all that drama between them that they got closer together, than to just let it fall apart like that. And it, it's just to me, on a, from a writer's, you know, from, from from a viewpoint of looking at the writers, they dropped a huge ball when it comes to that. Yeah. You know, I, I don't understand. And I guess in some ways you could have a love triangle in, in Destiny between uh, Shin, Luna Marie, and, and Ray, because you know Ray, uh, Ray had unquieted, unrequited love for Shin. For Shin. <laughs> no, I think his, his, his love was only for, for Durandal. Gilbert. Oh, oh, oh. Gil! You. <laughs> Remember how glowing he was when they oh. show him. Uh, oh, at the armory. Durandal in the first episode. <laughs> yes. I was like, he looked like a, he looked like a pretty, pretty princess. <laughs> Woo, man. Well, I, I have a, I have a relationship that really bothers me, and I know Solbro will, will have a problem with this. Go ahead. But it was Shozama and Marvel. That relationship bothered the hell out of me. You know that because, was- like I said, even at the point when they knew they were all about to die, yeah, everybody's getting murdered. He's such a freaking blockhead pussy. He can't even say what he needed to say beforehand. But it's unique for its day, though. It really is. I mean, his show just ended up still being a what being a blockhead. Yeah, he was a he was a blockhead, but you know, he didn't. He he. It was you never he saw fell, anything. He like fell that in before. line with all of the other robot pilots that really? we were saying. Yeah, because they're all blockheads about stuff well, like what that. What about what about Hikaru who preceded him? He, he came through, and 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 Chirico who preceded him too. You know, in the end, you know, you it's know, just, he came through. Yeah, yeah, but I mean that that's that's the point with that's the point with show. Show ended up dying in the end. So yeah, and he we still never got couldn't to see a completion to that. No, relationship. he had he had so many chances. He did when when they got up to when they got up to Upper Earth and and everything's starting to go bad with you know the world conflict and stuff. 
and they and Tamino actually I remember there was a couple of cases where they actually showed it where he wanted to say something to her yeah. quite a few times, but he couldn't. Like when they went to Texas and they were chilling in Hawaii. Right. You know, and, he and had that, plenty of that time. Is, that is, that's why it's such a bad relationship. It, it's because a, well, if, it, just, it follows from it being yeah. one of Tamino's socially awkward lead characters because yeah. aside from, say, Uso being an average kid and Loran being an excessively nice guy, all of Tamino's lead characters right. in Gundam or other mecha shows are usually socially awkward guys. Yeah. But but in the end, well, though, Daba Myron was okay in L game. He was a normal oh, guy. But a lot Daba. of his a lot of his characters are just like like look at Cosmo in in, in right. Day. Oh God. <laughs> but but show. and these guys are just like they're not normal. They're weird. But the, on the flip side though too is you have Marvel. That she can't even really tell him. So I don't know. It's just it's it's one of these things where you get into the you were getting. Well, to, also creates weird yeah. female characters too. So, but well, it's, Mar- it's getting to the point of it's the end. They, they know the end is coming. Yeah, they know that they're not going to survive this, and it's just just for the fact that you can't. I don't care if you're socially awkward or not. Yeah, but you, there comes a point where you have to actually just you know swallow hard and and do what you need to do because Marvel confronted him once or twice about it earlier on in the show, but you know towards the end she wanted oh, him to man the f such up a and, terrible and get some balls, such a bad one. It it is, but I mean they stayed true to character, and I, I I think that's 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 an important fact about that. Don't waste time. You know if you can learn anything from Dunbine, if, you know if you're into somebody or something like that. Don't waste time, man. Get it out there and and show he made that mistake. Hell, it, it might they have even been attributed did. to her death because you know she just lost. Well, they they're all going to die anyways. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, still they, they had she they, died. She, they, she had a ba- they had a director that she, was. <laughs> <laughs> the sad thing is she died brokenhearted. That's like the biggest thing that that got me about Marvel. But uh, but she's just as ba- she's is just as bad as he is. I suppose so, but I mean, so I'm any other ones, Chris, that you have. Um, oh, I got one that's uh, you know just a crappy relationship from beginning to end. Oh, who's that? Saji Crossroad and Louise Halevi. Mm-hmm. Please. <laughs> yeah, y'all, y'all just trolling me now. No, oh, no, this is just this is one of the worst ones ever. Oh, it really? is a bad relationship if you really look about it. Yeah. How so? I mean, in the end, well, he did... well, like like show. Well, let's go first no, season. No, because unlike like, show, he just like just, just in first season. Let me let me lay it out for you, sober before before you uh, okay. before you try to Kanye me. Go ahead. Okay. <laughs> So in the first season, we see that their relationship is a bunch of bunk. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because as we find out, their quote-unquote relationship started with her approaching him and latching onto him entirely. Yep. Okay. There is no attraction between them. There is no spark between them. There is nothing at all between them. It's her just being all over this guy, and he cannot even reciprocate to her in any way, shape, or form. He can't even kiss her goodbye when she's going on the freaking airplane to Spain. Yeah. It's just... It's just He's just that much of a wussy, and, and he's just completely passive in this relationship to the point that she just decided to be his girlfriend, and he didn't even do anything about it. Right. And then suddenly, when she gets her hand blown off, is when he decides that he, he really loves her, but, you know, it's too late, and she's like, you know, go pursue your dreams. Yeah. Then in season two, you know, he's madly in love with her, even though she's crazy, and in the end, love conquers all. Okay. Here's why their relationship is garbage. All right. Because the foundation it's built upon is garbage. Yeah. There is no actual real love between the two of them. She doesn't have, especially now at the end, she had nothing left. Her, all her family was dead. And, you know, she was screwed with, screwed with so much in the second season. 
And yeah, I agree with that because there was really no foundation for their for them to begin with. There's never any single moment in the show in the first season where you see him being happy with her. It's almost like she's more of like a nuisance that he tolerates. Yeah, and has no idea what to do with when he's around her. Exactly. Well, he, never, he never grumbled about it, and he he did enjoy her company. It's just that he was he was socially awkward, like many many you know Gundam Gundam males. Socially yeah. awkward to the point that you wouldn't even kiss your girlfriend when she's going on flights to another yeah. country for a few days. You know, I can't I can't I can't ex- I can't um, deny that, but I can't say that they've never kissed because I had never seen every waking moment of their life. But we the have show. to go by what we see. Okay, we go by you know, what we don't see. Then stop we never going saw into the speculations. Zone of like, oh well, get, get away from the fanfic zone. Oh, so, bro, have you ever had a girlfriend <laughs> yeah. you would kiss sometimes, and then for something as everyday and normal as she's going on a trip that you're not going on, you wouldn't kiss her goodbye and would feel so awkward about it? Yeah, I would kiss her goodbye. Yeah, sure, but I mean, this, 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 this he is, couldn't even bring himself to do that. Just means that he never did. I mean, this is anime we're talking about, though. So <laughs> there's a lot of non-kissing in anime, and there's plenty, plenty of couples in anime that we never see kiss. But what we're saying is, is <laughs> what that, I'm saying is, if you it was something, if it was something that you normally did on a regular basis, it mm-hmm. wouldn't be such a, a, an issue for him at that moment. That's right? true. That they never did. Yeah, but I mean, you can't deny the fact that he did, you know, inevitably, you know, get it. I think he was just more so clueless in the beginning, and then he, what? What oh. is his feelings based upon? Yeah, it's, I'm telling. What I'm saying is. Their relationship is built on an entirely weak foundation. Uh, yeah, I, I, she she approached him. Okay, but it's not the first case where that's happened, though. And yeah, but there's nothing wrong with you know one person approaching another. That's the way it usually goes. But yeah. she just latched onto him. There's really like no, you don't see like any of the normal things in a relationship in their relationship. Yeah. So basically, he just tolerated. It's her like now. she just decided. She just decided I'm going to be your girlfriend, and he's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, because <laughs> you remember she's the foreign exchange student, so. Yeah. You know, she just want, she found the first guy that would do anything that she... Because he would. He'd do See, anything now, now that she'd ask. Because she could have dated other people before she dated Saji. You never know. I mean, I'm just saying. It's like, we don't know their past. We, all, we know it's what we saw. Right. So, I mean, if anything... I, I know that there was something there. Saji was just too inept to act upon it. And, you know, he's, he's Mr. Nice you guy. Think, you, think their, you think their uh, relationship was on the same level as Lock-On Part 2 and Anu? Well, Lock-On is a, more, a much more confident man. No. Answer the question. On the level of that is it's, it this is it because that was actually a relationship in that show yeah but what was it, it? there it, was a four-month jump where we didn't see anything about that what happened how they divide we knew that it was a spark between them i will say this there was a spark between those two unlike saji and and, and louise i'll give yeah, you that if you don't if you don't have a spark then what's the relationship yeah that's true but i mean it's just how you the stop man trying was. to defend your wussy man <laughs> you, you still you still haven't answered the question what i'm saying is is there is their relationship on the same level as Lock on to and it's on a different level. But I mean, if she didn't die and she I wasn't can't a say crazy it's above or below, I could just say it's different. You know, it's just it's. I've it's seen, not the we, same because that, that was of, that of was Saji's an actual true anime before. That was an actual true relationship. Yeah. Uh, well, it's uh, Kati and uh, Patrick C. That's yeah. an actual relationship. Those were the actual relationships in that show. Nah, I don't know about that. Well, he actively well, pursued her while she tried to brush it him It was off. more so than uh, but that we're more Saji and Louise. <laughs> At least Patrick was man enough to um, marry her. Yeah, he did doggedly <laughs> pursue her. He did, yeah, he did it, doggedly it, pursue and you know what? 
respect. Saji was waiting for Louis. He was chasing Louise for five years, and he, you know, you think the first thing they would have got married of well, all the people at the end of that show no one, that were together. You thought they would have the wedding. No one admit the fact that Saji actually got some balls towards the end of the show and admitted how he felt, and you know, expressed his love to her, and he would do anything to keep her safe. What, but, but what love? That's but, the point yeah. I'm getting at. He had yeah. adoration for the woman. I mean, granted, it's not. It's 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 not a, a Harlequin romance, but you know he he did he did care for her and he wanted to be with her, and he wanted to take advantage of all the time that he had lost. But you got to think though too. In that point, they he doesn't have anything either. He lost. The his point sister. I'm saying is, yeah. Yeah. love resulting from a faulty relationship okay. is not really love. Exactly. I, That's who, the point I've been trying to make. Well, mm-hmm. who can define love? But I hear what you're saying. But I just I I I don't think it's the greatest example of a romance. But I do see. <laughs> I do in I did enjoy. <laughs> I don't think it's a great example of a romance, but I I, I think it's I, one I, of the stronger I like ones the two in Gundam. Characters, man, it's like, come and on. I, and I like Saji, and I, there's parts of him I can relate to because at one time I was that just that inept. So you know I, I can I I can see that. I mean, when I was eight, I had a I, I had a girlfriend that I didn't know what to do with, but I was eight years yeah, old. Granted, you Saji's considerably He's older. Twenty <laughs> something. Oh, well, he, I mean, no, well, hold on. He was younger when the relationship first started. Whatever. He but was. He, wasn't he eight was years in high old. school. Yeah. Hey, 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 Solbro. What's up? I'm gonna let you finish. <laughs> Rocky had the best romance ever in Gundam. All right, man. I'm I'm just going to recede for now, man. I'm I'm just going I'm just going to stand down. But I lo- I like that relationship, and I'm glad that it had a happy ending. Why don't you hit us with one then? Um, one I have a real big problem with because I really didn't see any chemistry or spark between them is uh, Judo Ashita and Ru Luca from um, Mobile Suit Gundam Double Zeta. They end up paired up together at the end of the series, but beforehand they just kind of had a working relationship, like um. Like Camille and Emma did in um, Zeta Gundam. And plus, she's really annoying. Plus, yeah, yeah, yeah. She is. and totally, she's just like a really unlikable character, and she disrespected the Zeta. Hell yeah, <laughs> she. Um, I, I, I didn't have a big problem with her, but just to see those two paired up at the end just didn't make sense to me. I'd have rather seen her. Pay, I'd rather seen Judo either paired up with um the blonde girl, which her name Elle. escapes me now, L or even Haman, if they drove the story in that direction you know there was some kind of there was some kind of dangerous attraction that the, the two now, had Chris, towards each other now Chris attraction yes indeed now Chris that, uh, still there. that whole thing with Beach <laughs> L and Judo for a while in there that was kind of a love triangle for a short bit it, in it, that it show. kind of was and you saw that uh, you know L had uh, feelings for Judo and she, you know she's yeah. sort of like the long suffering friend who uh, is never noticed by the guy that she likes yeah I thought they were going to do something with that for a while but then frown yeah. disease yeah, Frabo disease. Frabo disease. <laughs> <laughs> Probably one of the best examples of unrequited love right there. Oh, Frabo. Yeah, and, 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 and a great example of uh, just settling, too, because oh. she married a Hayato. Well. Fra- Frabo slash Fa disease. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I, f- I forget about uh, Camille and Fa, too. Hey, his brain got turned to uh, I know. applesauce. Potato so salad. I give him a pass for anything he does after that. Well, not in a new translation with the space humping. Well, that resulted very differently since four died much earlier on and didn't send him down like yeah. uh, a spiraling pathward of of negativity and and pessimism. So we've we've said some. Uh, I guess we said some bad ones. I guess maybe we should start getting into some uh, ones that we do like and we do think are good. Well, there's another one I think we should mention. Oh, that's, okay. I don't know if I'd say bad, but just very weird. Mm-hmm. Max and Maria. Oh. Yeah. That was a whirlwind romance, man. It's like, hey, we just had a very badly animated knife fight, and I tried to, <laughs> and you tried to kill me. 
Why well, get married? Let's get married. Now I know that I know that you know the Macross story got cut down, you know, because the sponsors didn't think the show would be successful, so they had to like compress the story. And a big part of the story was you know the union of a human and a Zentradi, but. I mean, damn, that's still a pretty hard transition. Even even in seven, to an extent, when you see that they're estranged from each other, it's it's still because they still kind of keep that that she uh, her especially seems like she still kind of questions if it was the right thing to do <laughs> if he was the right guy to get you know to get with. Didn't she have multiple children with the man? Seven kids. She yeah, I mean, <laughs> Bonin's one thing, but I, I mean, I don't know. They they, they it, their relationship got a lot better. At the end of seven, though, I mean, you could still see there was something. Well, I don't have there. a problem with with the development of their relationship after yeah. in Max or even in seven. It's just that first leading yeah. up to that point, that first leg. Yeah. you know, it just happened so quickly because of the the constraint of the time compression yeah. of the story. I mean, even if he had to get it down to one episode, I think they might have been able to do another way, other than you know, hey, we just had a knife fight. You want to get married? <laughs> <laughs> It was uh, it was pretty out of the blue, but <laughs> well, I guess I would go some some ones that we do like uh, Solbro hit us with some ones, and you can't say Saji and Luis because we already talked about them. Oh yeah, okay. Well, uh, I will try to go for one that I really did enjoy. Well, you got to go through the most obvious one. I suppose so. Domo and Rain. Don't, well, yeah, the I mean, the best the best example I would say probably the hot blooded romance of G Gundam of a lead <laughs> character in Gundam having an actual good love story and yeah he was a blockhead at the end he was a blockhead for 45 episodes but still <laughs> better better late than never yeah i, I suppose so but <laughs> and she wasn't annoying like no, sometimes no. the sometimes the love interests or the little sister characters are you know and she's one of the best she's one of the best female leads in the gundam series to be honest pretty much i was like man I, like there was anybody to hook up with man domon got domon made out that dude made out for certain and <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'm glad you named yours, sir. Um, but yeah, that that is a per- especially you know the build up towards the end where you know he has to go and rescue her. And don't spoil and, it, man. Don't uh, spoil wait. it. Well, all right, all right. When are they going to have the 14th Gundam fight? Gundam. Huh? When's that going to be held? The 14th Gundam fight, Chris. <laughs> we need G Gundam Part Two. It'll happen in 2044 after the um, 15th rehash of MSG. <laughs> <laughs> Because they're going to introduce a new line of model kits that um, will be easy to make for geriatrics. Oh, yeah. Were, were kids during 1979 and are now like 80 years old. The pieces are real big. <laughs> <laughs> they're like one of those, those cell phones for the old people. They're those huge buttons. <laughs> yes. Well, if I, had to pick, if I had to pick one of these. It'll be called Gundam Gigi. <laughs> <laughs> Granny grade? For old man. Granny grade. Nice. Nice. Well, if I had to pick a relationship I really did enjoy that, you know, seemed natural, um, probably Roy and Claudia from Super Dimension Fortress Macross. Um, you know, during the t- scope where Roy was alive, you know, they, they had already gotten <laughs> Well, I hope. <laughs> <laughs> Why, are we talking about necrophilia here? <laughs> yeah, I mean, oh, oh, my God. No, um, it just, you know, they had already gotten past all their BS. You got to see their origin story, like, in the last leg of the series. But, you know, by the time Macross itself started, you know, they had a, you know, a great relationship. You know, they, you know, they were in the, the midst of, of, you know, each other's company. And, you know, they got well together. They, they got along great together. And, you know, they, they're, they're a shining example of, of, of an awesome couple. In, I like, in I like the series. flashback that Claudia did. 
when she uh, was it Misa she was telling it to? Yeah, she was telling when it to she Misa. said how they got together and how even though everybody thought Roy was this invincible, cocky, oh arrogant ace, that he was actually scared to go up every time that he goes up, yeah. you know, in a flight and stuff. And the fact he shared his deepest, darkest secrets yeah. with only one person, and that was Claudia. Yep. And you know their development. Even you know, in Daryl, when she's like, "Did he at least die honorably?" It's like, yeah, he died like a G. Claudia is another stand-up uh, stand-up woman in a in a mecha series too, and they just really had they're really a shining example of a of a, a really cool couple. But um, Chris, what's one of your examples? I would definitely have to cite uh, Tifa and Garrod. Yeah. Oh. Because uh, what I like about you know um, the way their relationship develops is it starts off with him just having a crush on her, mm-hmm. but you see over time that you know she also has feelings for him, and you know he's a guy that's used to being a loner, and he's you know trying to adjust to a new social situation, and she is someone who has just been alone her entire life. So they're both kind of loners in that respect, and yep. they're both kind of like, you know, growing up and, and realizing how they feel. What I like also about their relationship is they both realize how important they are to each other way before the end of the show. Oh, yeah. yeah. Because one of the things I hate, not just in mech anime, but anime in general, is you go through watching 25, 50 episodes of some show. There's a quote-unquote romance between two characters and all it amounts to is finally at like the last two minutes of the show in the last episode uh, the main character has some amazing realization and then says to you know the other person hey I like you the end well that to me is just like just the laziest most generic type of romance plotting there is and you know the other thing I liked about it too was the was that everyone on the freedom recognized it and they were both, they were giving them... They are trying to, like, push it along. Yeah, they were trying to help both of them because they all realized, you know, that Garrett was just kind of, you know, he was awkward for being a loner and stuff. And she was very, you know, she was very introverted uh, because of her her upbringing. And, you know, but they would kind of go it along, but they weren't, like, pushing it where it was just, like, too much or something like that. And they were also trying to have some fun with it at his expense. Oh, that too, yeah. <laughs> Especially at his, but... And then I, I guess the other one in that would be... Um, would be Sarah and uh, the man Jamil. Jamil, because um, you know he's. I guess he's kind of in the same way. You know, he was used to being alone and all brooding and stuff because of what happened. And then you know, from what we can see at the end, that they did get together, or you know, because he, you know, he was he he relied on her so much, and she she definitely had a thing for him. But uh, well, I guess um, one of the ones that I liked was. Um, Actually, gonna be was uh, actually I liked in uh, Gal Gygar, uh Guy and Makoto because that oh, last yeah. episode alone, yeah, was just completely, uh, completely ridiculous. Now but, you're talking about spoilers, sir. <laughs> hey, man, that's uh, it's the, been 12 years. I yeah. think uh, statute of limitations has expired. But, yeah. but that was another one, and it was definitely within the whole vein of um, you know the super robot formula. But you could see it throughout that even. Even Guy, he knew he had feelings for her, right? And you know, but he had a he had much lothier things to do. You know, he well, had, they were already a couple beforehand. It's just yeah. that things changed once he got you know screwed up, robotified. Uh-huh. But you know, there was still that those lingering feelings. Yeah, and you know, once again, it's that whole thing of losing somebody, just like what happened with Domon and Rain. You know, yeah. you you don't realize it until they're just taken away from you, and you can't then you can't even talk to them because. 
of um, they're under the influence of something. But that's one that I, I liked a lot, too. On a side note in Gal Gagar, there's um, the Amamis themselves as well. Yeah, that's they, right. They, they, they are like the, the healthiest family. <laughs> when it comes to just yeah. you know love and and you know that couple alone those two you, you can you can sense that they were really you know they really were happy together and they were happy with their tight-knit family with um well, that's them. why i mentioned uh, when we did the spotlight on gal geiger yeah. that you know they weren't just like the typical clueless parents of nope. a kid in anime you know they really you can see how much they care about each other and about him and that's one of the strengths of that show yeah exactly Definitely. and like i said uh, you know you really can't be clueless when your son is delivered to you by some giant robot, robot. lion came down from space. So it's kind of hard to be clueless after something like that happens. Yes, I think most people would need therapy after that situation. It's the greatest but, uh, version of the stork ever. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, or the Bible. Oh. Who needs a manger when you can have a robot lion from space? Hell yeah, man. Ooh. Talk about an alternate retelling of the, uh, the Magi. <laughs> Should do that. Once Gundam gets big enough, we'll do our own uh, Christmas special. And, and we'll be denounced by the Pope. And the baby Jesus came down, was brought down by... The uh, baby Jesus Yamato. <laughs> the baby Jesus Yamato. <laughs> and thus it was said, he will deliver unto you freedom and justice. Infinitely. <laughs> and with a quick strike. Oh, oh man. Oh, that's, that was awesome. <laughs> Probably... We we rewriting the Bible as we speak. Yeah, it's just our interpretation of it. <laughs> well, um, my my next example of a relationship that didn't end well, but was um, you know, was 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 entertaining throughout was um, Laurent and Soshi on Turn A Gundam. How that ended? That was the one of the best examples of unrequited love ever. <laughs> I actually liked her relationship with uh, Clark Gable though better. Clark Gable. <laughs> all all, what, guy, all three episodes of it. <laughs> Clark Gable, it's like, hey, baby, you're that, gonna get married to me, that whether guy, you like it or not. Oh, that guy man. was just, cause I got charisma. He dude. was. He uh, dude strong armed her in the marriage, and he, she liked it. <laughs> I don't know. There was just something about that guy. It's like he was kind of annoying, but man, you know, it's just like when he took over the screen, it was like, wow. He and was. He had swagger, man. He, he did seriously have had some swagger, dude, for real. He had a lot of swagger, especially when he went down with that nuke. <laughs> Well, given that he was voiced by the same guy who did Chibode Crockett, oh, oh, of course no. he's gonna have that swagger. Hell yeah, yeah man! Oh, I didn't even know that. That's crazy, man. That explains everything right there. He's also Yazan, by the way. Yazan Gable, man, Clark Gable, Yazan Gable. Hell yeah, man! That there makes you sense, go, dude. The dots connect. Now I see it all. <laughs> it's just that you know they were very close as friends. She was the core reason as to why um one of the major reasons as to why she um that. That Laurent even got to live in the house with them after he was stuck in the mines for what a good couple of months, you know. Or that a awesome year. job. Yeah, I mean their bond, their friendship, you know, you know, he was like part of the family because you know of how close those two were. But, but she he, wanted more. Yeah, she wanted more, and Laurent's heart was always with the queen. You know, I mean, it, she was in his life before, way before so she was, but. You know, Laurent was her first big crush, and that's um, why it's the the best bittersweet kiss ever at the end of the yes, show. Yes, yes, indeed. I mean, I, I think of how close they got to to actually having something when um when the white doll was uncovered for the first time. <laughs> oh, when they're running around naked on yeah, running around it? naked, man, about yeah. to do something, dude. Strategically then, placed fish, and then. <laughs> 
and then and then the invasion starts and just ruins everything, man. Damn. Those pesky uh those, those pesky moon rays. Those pesky moon rays. Damn. But yeah, that is uh probably my favorite example. Of course, the first unrequited um love relationship in Gundam will always be um Frau Bo and Amaro, but you know, Frau well, Bo don't, got don't, over don't it. forget the other one in in uh, turn A. Which one? Gwen. Oh yeah <laughs> Gwen Lineford. <laughs> He, he wanted that Laura Rolla so bad. Boy, oh, boy. man. Laurent was breaking hearts all throughout that show. Oh. <laughs> I like at the end when Lily says to him, like, to, to Gwen, she's like, Laurent's a man. He's like, I don't care. If you really want him, go ahead and put on a dress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Gwen. Yeah, those are, that's, that's my example. I mean, weren't you, a, Chris, weren't you a big fan of uh, Laurent and Diana? Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's a good relationship in that, you know, he thought he was falling for somebody else, and then he realized it was actually, like, the woman of his dreams. Yeah. Yeah. So that was pretty interesting, like, spin on things with, you know, since they had that whole prince and the, prince and the popper mechanic. But yeah. uh, when I think it, that merits mention, um, especially given my, my complaint from a, minutes, a few minutes ago, was um, Go and Anna from Go Danner. Yeah. Oh. Because, you know, they are a couple that start off at the series getting married, and the whole show is dealing with, like, the problems they have in their married life, mm-hmm. which is, you know, a bit different from the usual, you know, blockhead guy reacts awkwardly to a situation, doesn't say what he should say. <laughs> there is some of that, but it's not, you know, just the same stuff that you're used to seeing over and over and over again in so many different anime shows. Yeah. Yeah, so. I think that that's interesting that they, they had that, you know, that this is a relationship that's already gotten to that stage of not just being together but being married and seeing, you know, the problems that result from that, especially when, you know, his ex-girlfriend comes back from the dead and weird things happen and wow. stuff. So yeah, I've never I, f- I think that's an interesting way of, of doing it and something I like to see more of. Yeah, I haven't finished that show. I need to one of these days for whatever reason at that time my life i just didn't ref- i finish it i actually thought you were going to talk about the other great uh, relationship uh chris uh Kierkis and reinhard <laughs> talk about it doomed now that's, now that's true love uh, that that's, is that's, tr- that's a that's a that's a bromance in every sense of the word <laughs> that was quite quite uh quite a headstone he made for him why don't you tell us about kirky ice and reinhard from legend of the galactic heroes oh my god well like chris uh, i've you know chris is a little bit further than i am but this has been one of the a lot thing- further yeah one of these things i've been wanting to kind of tackle for years but you know it's just the sheer enormity of the show and you know but i've been watching it and you know chris had warned me at the beginning he's like you know it's just there's a lot of homoerotic overtones in this because it's very manly men and you know and and it's all about war and battle and i mean for like the for like the first couple episodes all you see is reinhardt's sister pretty much (laughs) this is the only female you really see but it's reinhardt's just this guy that's trying to get up the ladder on the in the empire and he's got his best friend kirkus here and you know it's just like their talks even when they're young and they're older it's just like you know as long as you're with me we can do anything we can seize the galaxy together kirkus And then something happens, and uh, man, he's in a funk. I mean, <laughs> Reinhardt's in a bad funk, real bad funk. Rug got pulled underneath him, huh? Mm. <laughs> and what's funny is all the people underneath him notice it. <laughs> oh, <man>. Yeah. <laughs> so, but it is uh, it is one and, of those. And one of them one of them complains like, I didn't know he was so weak, and someone else says like. It's not that he's weak. It's that it was this guy specifically. If it was any of us who, yeah. you know, d- would not have shed a tear. Yeah. Oh, damn. But, 
I mean, it, and it is it is the bromance of bromances, man, of of anything. I mean, very very. It's it's it, it's worse than Lelouch and Suzaku sometimes, man. Because that that had the same kind of overtone in the beginning. Hey, uh, hey, Neo. I think we had decided uh, before we were recording that we had to mention uh, certain comparison that Solbro uh, deigned to make of two certain characters to uh, Chirico and Fianna from uh, Votoms. Maybe we could enlighten our listeners on that one. It was a rather interesting exchange. Oh, that was um, that was what? Uh, Saji, Saji and Louise. To uh, Chirico and Fianna. Man, they, they both face conflicts throughout the course of their programs. <sighs> although although I will say Chirico and Fianna, they, 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 fe- they face more epic danger. Okay. Solbro, Solbro, mm-hmm. let me just lay it down for you. Oh man, more, more, more straight talk just, express. Let me just lay this down for you. <laughs> Chirico killed God and a zillion people. Oh, yeah. Saji delivers pizzas and space fighters. <laughs> End of story. All right. Well, one is more of a man than the other. Okay. And all right. And and Chirico was man enough to know, you know, to express himself to her. So. Real funny comparison there. Too touche. <laughs> more more Solbro's weird comparisons. I um, mean, well, well. One other thing I'd like to bring up since um we talked about this during the um before we recorded. Would you, as the listener, consider um like one of the most epic triangles that we've ever talked about is Minmei, Hikaru, and least and Misa from um Super Dimension Fortress Macross. But to me, there's a a love triangle that precedes that, although it never got to the level that it did like the one in Macross did, and that is Char, Lala, and Amaro. And, um, Neo, what were you saying about that? that, that it's not, not on the same trying. level. It, oh, it's not on the same level, no. but, I mean, there, there it's, was it's two men loving the same woman. I mean, that's that's the way I look at it. And yeah, that but woman have it's fairly even a blip because Lala yeah. is in the show yeah. so late yeah. where it's... You know, with Hikaru, Misa, and Nimei, you're talking about people who were there from day one but her, all the way to the very end. The problem is, is that her Lala's impact is still felt in Save It's still Gunnam felt, but... And in Shard's counterattack, where it really does matter in that. Yeah. So, I mean, I mean, they even flash that, back on it. The way I would characterize Amuro and Lala's relationship is not really love, but yeah. more just, like, a spiritual bonding that's not love. Yeah, because yeah. it's more of a... they hardly had any time together, and you don't really get that feeling from their relationship, whereas Char actually spent a lot of time with her, and you could tell that he he really had a thing for her and she for him. Yeah. But so I it's mean, not a love triangle in that sort of sense at all. The yeah. way it's described, though, like, I, I always... The, the best impression I get from it is the novel, where Amaro's... We're not Amaro's, talking about the novel. We're not, but I mean, it, it to me, it, it, it explains how strong that bond was you know yeah, it, but the novel is an entirely different yeah. story characters that are very different in the way they act from their their tv version so you can't even you can't even compare them there it's like a, yeah but i mean a totally separate creation it yeah. can't be dismissed though as a passing fancy that amaro had for a yeah, but we're, we're talking about the con we're talking about the continuity that the characters develop yeah. in entirely different ways true in in uh, the novels versus the anime, so there's you really just can't compare them. Oh, it can't. But I mean, it's it's still that it still impacts their lives in some way. You know that that you know. Well, it, impa- it, it, it impacts their lives, but I don't. It it impacts it in a different way. It doesn't do it, and you know, it's like Hikaru had to make a choice. Yeah. Shara Armro didn't have to make a choice, and she and 
Wala already chose. Yeah. So it wasn't one of these things. You know, Misa had to make a choice to finally, you know, give up her hard exterior and be the woman to, op- you know, to openly um, show herself to Hikaru. Right. You know, and, and, and Min made the same way. But, nah, it, not, not in that aspect. I mean... Not only that, but, you know, Lala dies very early on in um, the novels. Yeah. And uh, Amuro himself dies at the end of the novels after being in a relationship with Sela. Whereas in the anime, him and Char are both tortured for many years by the memories of Lala. So it's entirely different outcomes and situations that really just aren't comparable. Yeah. And, and, and Amuro felt the loss because he felt her because dying. He yeah. And, and he felt her dying, you know, the, the whole new type thing when he, he was connected to her new type wise and then he killed her, you know, and. I, I sometimes think that it was more just guilt of killing her than maybe just the guilt of not being with her. I don't know. It's I wouldn't put him on the same uh, put him on the same level. I mean, it's three people, but they didn't have to make a choice. You know, the she was the only one that made a choice, and Armro and Shar had no choice to make yeah. in the end. So, but so yeah, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't do that. But you know, we could always talk about the and I know we talked about it and when we were reviewing the show. One of the worst love triangles is in Frontier there, where uh, you have Cheryl, Ronka, and Co- or not Co. I don't know why I'm must have a Freudian slip. I'm sorry. Alto, which is still debated to this day. Alto, still and uh, yeah, talk about not being able to choose or you know the the non political political answer. Both of you are my wings. It's like really, we went through all of this. It's like. I don't hate the show because of it. I, I like the show a lot, but that's the one like glaring thing. It's like, at least give us some point of maybe him going one way or the other. Just don't this very weak-willed thing of, well, you guys are both my wings. So <laughs> I don't know if you guys have anything else to, to go on that one. No, I'm pretty much done. Yeah, pretty much done too. Well, then, that brings at least one of our... Um jaunts into relationships and mecha anime for the time being it brings that to a close and we'll be back in a few moments with more gundam at mahq gundam good kick lee it was an accident that's okay we'll just say you tried to catch care Hi, I'm Mitsugi. And I'm Hatake. And we're the hosts of Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, aaapodcast.com. Listen up, anime fans. Do you find yourself spending tons of money on anime DVDs and merchandise? Wishing you drove a Gundam to work instead of your car? Singing J-pop music in the shower? If you do any of these things, you might be an anime addict. At the Anime Addicts Anonymous Podcast, we have one mission, to turn your anime addiction into an obsession. We entertain our listeners with current anime news, celebrity guest hosts, hilarious discussion topics, and fair, unbiased review on current and past anime. Here are a few testimonials. I used to be a total anime noob. Now I know so much about anime that I can say, Spike was caught riding on a Tachkoma eating Pocky wearing a Hidden Leaf Village headband while looking at a foldout of Revy in a Death Note, and know exactly what that means. Now that I listen to the Anime Addicts Anonymous podcast, I never have to watch a bad anime again. They watch them, so I don't. So visit us at aaapodcast.com and submit anime review requests on our forum and tune in on iTunes, 
so you can always have the latest in news and reviews. So get obsessed with Anime Ilex at the AAA, and remember, we're here for you. Let us do no such goddamn thing. Everybody, welcome back to Gundam at MHQ. This is Chris, and uh, another pathetic attempt of us to create a podcast sputters to its inevitable conclusion with the end of this, episode 41, where we discussed um, Macross 2 in uh, Macross Roundup, and we also discussed um, lots of subpar, crappy, and some pretty good romances in mecha anime such as uh, Gundam and Macross and some other examples along with more of Soul Bros weird comparisons. Yes, indeed. And plenty of Soul Bros brashing in, the, in that segment. Yes. So, again, as we mentioned in the news, um, this is our second anniversary uh, episode. No fancy um, special this time with uh, Bill Whipton, but uh, he's always lurking around the corner, and you never know when he might appear again. So, in the meantime, I would just like to say thanks to everyone who's been listening, and uh, you know, we promise you... Hopefully, many, many more years of uh, talking incessantly about um, robot shows made for Japanese children. Yep. Thank and it's all toys. So, any uh, closing statements, gentlemen? Um, Speak now, Neo, before Solbro jumps in. Yeah, I really. Spotlight. No, just like what she said, you know, I just want to thank everybody. And, you know, I know sometimes, um, thank you also for their patience, because sometimes, you know, for whatever reason, things take a little bit longer to do and believe us when we tell you that all those topic suggestions we do look at them and we do have them it's just that we, we, we try to keep everything relevant especially if there's something that gets bumped but you know if we haven't done your favorite show or your favorite topic yet all i can say is just keep listening because we will eventually get to them and we'll get to know. it in the next two years yeah there you go i mean <laughs> full metal panic will actually happen one of these days i told neo that full metal panic yeah. will happen before the year get is this over. chris i went on another podcast i talked about full metal panic there before here <laughs> and you know what maybe someday we'll actually talk about model kits oh oh my god yeah don't 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 get too excited now don't count that out <laughs> yeah that's that's the big daddy we'll, we'll need to do a lot of things on that and yeah, so that, that's all I would say. Just be patient. We we see all the stuff, and you do see that for a lot of time. You know, we do get, uh, we've have done a lot of people's suggestions in the past, and we'll continue to do them. But don't get discouraged. Well, I'd like to thank everybody who listens to us, especially those who listen to us on a regular basis. All the new ears that are that are putting us on their iPods. All of our sponsors, most definitely. I'd like to I'd like to um, thank Epic Sugar Works, Florida Oriental Trading. MeVO, of course. GoDaddy and Petco and just the Yeah, whole... keep buying that cat litter. I, I will. I will. But anybody who supported us through going to those sponsors, too, um, I, I really want to extend my thanks to you because you're really helping us become you know, bigger than I would have envisioned two years ago. I thought we would just do this as a pastime and, and just, just do it for the hell of it. But now, you know, with you guys' support, all the letters you've sent in, all the feedback you've given us, all the posters on the mechatalk.net board, it, it, it's really a, astonishing, you know, when you guys really take the time to listen to us, especially the longer episodes. My God. I don't know how you guys do it, but you do it. And um, I'm glad you guys really enjoyed the show. I don't know how we did it. <laughs> you know what? That's a good point. Let, <laughs> let alone anything. But thank you so much for supporting us, and I hope this goes on for many years to come. <laughs> and um, 
any any other thanks at all, guys? No, we were, we already said our stuff. Don't you listen to us? Well, well I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> busy thinking about what he's going to interrupt us with to actually listen to what we're saying. I know that. This, that's is this, work is this like the um, is this like the mom and pop shops in uh, Japan? Mom and pop shops in Japan. You ever go to any street vendors or anything? What about the mom and pops? <laughs> Isn't that the same thing? My greatest bonehead moment in goddamn history, right there. Um, but. Yeah, we need a poll, I think. The best <laughs> bonehead moments is Soul Bro. Sweet. Everybody make sure to peep these websites. MAHQ.net, where the magic happens. That's the Mecha and Anime Headquarters. Also, check out Gundam.net. Guy that runs, that's a dick, though. What? Guy that runs, that's a dick. He forces his opinions on everyone. Uh, I'm Can't certain he him. does. Every day. That damn Dale. <laughs> also, um, check out Gundam.net, where um, you can find out information no about the latest happens. episodes. <laughs> where no magic happens. But uh, you can find out latest episodes and links to our other um, social networking links and whatnot and to iTunes. And you can find us on Facebook, MySpace, and Spill.com, amongst other websites. And um, if you want to reach us by email, which a lot of people have been doing, we really do enjoy feedback. And um, you can send your emails to Gundam, M-A-H-Q, at gmail.com. And peep our tweets at twitter.com slash M-A-H-Q-D-O-T-N-E-T. And one last shout-out I'd like to give, and it's not really even related except to anime. Um, Sci-Fi just started airing Monster and didn't have any kind of advertising for it. So I just want to let you guys know that if you guys want to really watch a really good anime, it just started on Sci-Fi, comes on at 11 o'clock on Monday nights. Monster, my personal recommendation right there. Check that show out. That's what I. That's all I got to say. There you go. And don't mess with Dr. Tenma. Don't mess with that dude, man. He'll shoot twice. <laughs> Isn't he Saji-like? Wasn't Tema in the beginning? Played him in the Saji. Dude, before? watch watch episode three coming up this Monday, dude. He freaking he gets so he he gets adequate revenge. That's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> like Saji got adequate revenge. Hey man, Doctor Tema bones up. He does early on. Anyway, well on that note, Chris, uh, why don't you close us out? I don't know if there should be any more ridiculousness or nonsense like that being spewed. I think we've we've had Saji mentioned more in this show than we were actually reviewing the series. Double O. <laughs> Exactly. So let's uh, let's end the Sajiness for now, so all the Sajinistas can enjoy the fact that their savior and king has been mentioned. That wraps up another episode of Gundam at MHQ. Please stop this! I'm assassinating you under the orders of Colonel Trace. It's over, Chief Engineer Tubarov. There's a lot more to wars than simply fighting with mobile suits. We claim victory. I retract my order. Mobile dolls and soldiers both take their orders from humans. I ask that you place more value on humans and learn to love them, Tuberov. Hurry up and return to me, Zex, because if you're not around to help, Oz will allow worthless actions by worthless people. Gundam at MHQ's Shinjuku Station in the MHQ production. You must recover all the energy immediately, Mega Man. But where is Dr. Wiley? That's a good question. We may be able to locate another energy emission from the radar room. When we find that meteor, we'll find Dr. Wiley.